You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. We all know the saying, never judge a book by its cover. But have we ever made a snap judgment against someone based on a first impression? We've all been taught that beauty is only skin deep, but don't we still tend to base our opinions on initial appearances? We all claim not to play favorites, but in truth, isn't it easier to give our attention, our time, our energy to those with whom we relate, those who think and act like us, those with whom we agree? In our current cultural moment, snap judgments, opinions based on initial appearances, and playing favorites seem to be more commonplace than at any other time in human history. The rise and influence of social media has given us both the opportunity and the license to treat each other this way. If we're on social media, think back over this past week for a moment. How many of our posts, either initiated by us or simply liked by us, were skewed towards judging, condemning, or at the very least favoring not a particular issue but a person. And if we're not on social media, then let us think back over this past week and consider how we've assessed, how we've treated, how we've spoken to and about all the people we've encountered, either for a passing moment in, say, traffic or a grocery store, or for a longer duration in some other setting. How many, how many of our thoughts, our comments, maybe even our actions communicated our judgment and our partiality? have expressed our favoritism or lack thereof for certain kinds of people over others. Having taken a brief moment to self-reflect, we are now primed to hear what James is about to share with us today. And spoiler alert, it's a word from the Lord we are not going to want to hear, but we need to listen to carefully. Here it is from James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. James chapter 2, 1 through 13. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, or you sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones that are blaspheming and noble name? of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the laws of, in, as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. 
For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you should not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged. By the law, he gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. James gets right to it, doesn't he? His message to us through this passage is clear and concise, leaving no room for confusion or interpretation. James says believers in Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. No ifs, ands, or buts here. James isn't giving us a word of advice. You know, if you're a Christian, you really shouldn't play favorites. James is straight up declaring, can you really call yourself a Christian? Can you actually claim to be following Jesus? if you show partiality to one person at the expense of another person. The Greek word James uses here, translated into English as favoritism, is a word that means to receive the face. The idea is engaging people at face value. We look at them and immediately begin making judgments about them based on external appearances. And as non-judgmental, as impartial we might like to think we are, we make judgments, we play favorites based on appearance all the time. In case we still have doubts about this, James reinforces his message by way of a very practical example. He poses a hypothetical situation to his original audience, or perhaps describes a situation he knows already is going on. Do we remember it? The community of faith is gathered together for worship, for a meal, for fellowship, and then two visitors enter the gathering. James delineates between these two people in his description of how they are dressed. In the same way we like to say clothing makes the man or the individual, in James' time, clothing was more than mere body covering. Clothing was also indicative of one's role, one's status, even one's gender. One person in this example is dressed in fine clothes and is ornamented with a gold ring. The other person is dressed in filthy old clothes. So it's rich man, poor man. And how does the Christian community evaluate these two persons? They judge both men by the face based on their outward appearance. Their favoritism of one person over and against the other is evidenced by where each of them is invited to join the gathering. Following not the way of Jesus, but the shame and honor culture of the Roman world, the well-dressed man is given the traditionally honorable location in a meeting place, which is having a seat. Still to this day, when we wish to show someone respect or honor, we offer them a seat, perhaps even our seat, at the table on a bus, etc. The shabbily dressed man, on the other hand, is not given a seat. He is directed to stand or to sit on the floor. His access to the community is restricted. As a guest, he is being demeaned by being forced to lower himself before others to sit, as James writes, at their feet. In light of this example, James reveals the problem with Christians showing partiality or favoritism. First, when we discriminate among ourselves, that is, as we accept some but reject others, as we express to some, you're worth my time, but to others, you're not, as we form cliques and divide people into groups that we prefer to associate with, as we discriminate amongst ourselves, James writes, we are fostering prejudices and rivalries. We are establishing a hierarchy based on power and influence that thus fractures not only the unity of the body of Christ, but also contributes to the widening divisions within our common humanity. Second, James adds, we become judges with evil thoughts. 
In other words, when we as Christians claim favoritism towards people to sit in judgment over others, we've claimed something that is God's prerogative alone. To be judgmental toward others is to put ourselves in the place of God, which the Bible calls idolatry. And if we're wondering, well, who or what is the idol here that we're worshiping? The answer is ourselves. We make ourselves the idol because we are playing God. When we are judgmental toward others, when we are comparing ourselves to other people, the standard we use is our own preferences, our own opinions, our own likes. In other words, the standard we use to judge others is our own ego, how we view ourselves in relation to others. And notice, James pulls no punches when he declares such judgments not just to be wrong, but evil. Evil. Let's think about that the next time we make that social media post. Evil. Let's keep this in mind the next time we're tempted to size up another person too quickly. To be judgmental towards others is to make ourselves an idol because we are worshiping and following our own point of view and not the Lord's point of view. This leads us back to where James started in this passage in the very first verse when he declared playing favorites is inconsistent with following Jesus because it goes against everything Jesus did or taught us. Because here's the thing, God does not play favorites. Throughout the Bible, the Lord describes himself as an impartial God. All the way back, all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, God through Moses puts it this way, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the traveler, giving him food and clothing. Whereas we are prone to size up others and either accept, pursue, or dismiss them, our Creator never does this. God doesn't receive the face. He looks at the heart. Jesus assured us of this, that our Heavenly Father looks not at the outward appearance, such as the color of one's skin, or even the actions of someone. Our God assesses the content of our character, looking to see His reflection, His image in whom we have been created. He looks to see Christ in us, in whose character we are being remade, shining forth through how we treat each other. Impartiality originates with God. I want to be clear about something in this passage, though. James's choice to use a socioeconomic example is not at all random. When James says, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised? James is not suggesting that God shows favoritism towards the poor over and against the rich. No. The point James is making is that God favors all persons especially and particularly including those we often dislike, dismiss, or despise, namely the poor and the afflicted. The certainty that God shows no partiality or favoritism is first anchored in God's relationship with Israel, particularly in liberating them from Egypt and creating them into a nation. Israel did nothing to merit or deserve God's favor. And in the same way, this is the message of the gospel for all humanity that our exodus, our forgiveness, our salvation, thanks to what Jesus did for us through the cross, the resurrection, and Pentecost, has nothing whatsoever to do with us. For while we were poor, down and out, not currying the Lord's favor or somehow earning God's partiality toward us, while we were yet sinners, God came to us in Christ and rescued us from sin, death, and the devil. What James is calling out here is that our favoritism, our partiality, not God's, tends to be towards the rich and against the poor. This is what James is getting at when he rebukes us for trying to keep up with the Joneses, for chasing after the rich, or trying to make ourselves rich 
rather than embracing the poverty we all share due to our mutual brokenness and sin. James is trying to help us understand it's only when we realize we're all poor, we're all in need, that we together become rich in the grace and love of Christ. It's only as we more fully appreciate the favor that God has not just shown to us, but to all the world, that we realize favoring one person over another makes no sense. Grace is not about partiality. In truth, what makes grace grace is that it is given without partiality. God extends favor to all the world without discrimination or condition. And as recipients of such grace, as followers of Jesus, we must therefore go and do likewise, reflecting the Lord's favor, extending the grace of God to everyone we meet, not just those whom we like or prefer. And yet at the same time, recognizing our tendency, our temptation to favor people like us or those whom we wish we were, over and against people living in conditions and circumstances that represent where we don't want to be, we also have to have particular sensitivity towards those who are suffering, who are lacking, who are in need. Beloved, as followers of Jesus, we've been called, commissioned to care for the oppressed, to minister to the hurting, and to set the captives free. In the remaining verses of this passage, verses 8 through 13, James places this whole matter of favoritism under what he calls the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. James is appealing to his older brother Jesus' summation of the law of God, which goes all the way back to Leviticus, and that summation is, in a word, love. Love for God that expresses itself, that's demonstrated through loving one's neighbor as we love ourselves, that is, as we are loved by God in Christ. To truly love our neighbor as ourselves, to love like God loves us, favoritism cannot be involved. When we choose to love, not always to feel love, but to consciously and abidingly choose to love others, not simply those we like or those we even understand, but choose to love by divine guidance and empowerment all those around us, regardless of circumstance or affinity, even as strangers or enemies to us, James says we are doing right. Once again, James is highlighting a core theme of his letter, that faith that does not result in consistent action is no faith at all. James isn't telling us that choosing to love all persons without favoritism or partiality somehow earns our salvation. James is saying, if we profess to be loved by Jesus, then the love we receive from Christ ought to be visible and generous in our sharing it with everyone. The fruit and evidence that we are rooted, that we are abiding in Christ, is expressed through our love for all people. At the same time, in these final verses, James is also warning us. If we choose to play favorites, if we continue to follow the world's value system that shows partiality to those who have while disfavoring those who do not, if we dare to keep dividing the world into us and them, then we are choosing to sin. Whoa, hello, did we hear that, church? Playing favorites, showing partiality to some at the expense of others, dividing this world into us versus them is sin. Do we believe that? Do we act like that's true? Because James doesn't stop there. No. James goes on to add, if we choose not to live by the law of freedom, the way of Jesus, the law of love, if we choose to show favoritism and partiality, then we will be judged by God, not on the basis of his love, but on the basis of his judgment, his assessment of us, not according to our standard, our ego, but according to the standard of his character his will. Do any of us think we would measure up to that standard? Just in case any of us out there actually do, James wants us to understand that if we're playing favorites, we've already failed. 
We've broken the rules. And that brief example that James gives from God's top 10 rules for life is simply to make this point. We can't pick and choose when it comes to living by God's standards. It's not either or. It's all or nothing. Therefore, the only way to live, the only way we can live, that we receive forgiveness, that we experience salvation, is by abiding and following the law of love, which again is the way of Jesus. My friends, we either become, by the grace of God, a community shaped by the love of Christ, or we exist apart from God as a community that's judged by God on the basis of the very favoritism we give to some and deny to others. The way we behave toward people reflects what we really believe about this God and how tempting it can be to convince ourselves that God hates all the same people that we hate. Whom do we believe is beyond the favor of God's love? For whomever it is, in our judgment of them, we place ourselves as far away from the Lord as we already perceive them to be. Wow. Really hits home, right? Makes us wonder, whom do we favor? Where do we show partiality? It's a timely question in light of the days in which we live, in light of all that's going on right now in our world. She's a fake. He's a loser. Those people always lie. That group, you know, they're troublemakers. Those Catholics, they aren't really Christians. Those denominational Christians, you know, those Lutherans, those Presbyterians, they aren't really spiritual. They're not deep and mature in their faith. Most homeless people are lazy, probably on drugs. People who are wealthy only care about money and power. All those protesters are violent anarchists, you know. All those who are in authority, well, they can't be trusted. Oh, she's a bleeding heart liberal, probably a closet socialist. He's a narrow-minded conservative, probably a closet bigot. As sinners, broken people, works in progress, we all bear certain prejudices against some groups of people, even as we are more favorably disposed toward others. Our favoritism, our partiality can be anything. Money, race, gender, religion, age, lifestyle, nationality, ethnic ethnicity, and of course, identity politics. Politics once was something that was but one of many factors in our engagement with each other as a society. And it's now become in many ways the determining criteria as how we evaluate and treat each other. And the 24-hour news cycle has not increased the amount of news that's being reported. It's increased the amount of time we are subject to people criticizing each other in order to win the debate of the moment. More and more, the majority of the messages we both hear and express these days are partisan, designed to divide rather than unite, demanding that we pick a side and always insisting the side being presented is the only one that's right. But James, James has a decidedly different message for us today. That partiality and the gospel do not mix. God has no favorites, for each one of us is God's own beloved child, that we have no justification for favoring another individual or group over another because that's not how God in Christ came to us. That's not how Jesus treated us. Jesus never did that with us. God, in his lavish and indiscriminate love, never excludes people because they are unclean, unworthy, or disrespectful. Therefore, neither should we. Playing favorites tears apart the body of Christ and it damages our witness as the body of Christ to the world. 
Therefore, as followers of Jesus, let us love each other as Christ continues to love us without conditions and even when we're at our worst. Let us refuse to drink the Kool-Aid that insists on seeing and treating each other in this world as us versus them. Let us not be tempted to withhold from others even a fraction of the deep healing grace that we experience thanks to Jesus. Let's not dream. Let's not imagine a community that loves like Christ. Let's become, by the power and direction of the Word and the Spirit, the body of Christ that cannot but love everyone like Jesus. For when we favor each and every person we meet and recognize that person as someone God loves so deeply that he became human just to die for them, when we love like that, we become part of something beyond ourselves. We become part of the kingdom of God that Jesus came to give us. Amen.